Good morning, everyone. Happy Labor Day weekend. Welcome to First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque. My name is Matt Pardrivial, and I am your minister for today. I have the pleasure of being joined by ministers Angela Herrera and Bob Lavalley, music director Susan Peck, lay leader Judy Goring, DJs Chris Paul and Sai Schuster, and usher Raymond Wolfgang. Our time for all ages this morning is shared by guest minister, the Reverend Katie Colbert. And whoever you are, wherever you are joining us from, whatever brought you to our Zoom service today, let me be the first to tell you that you are welcome. We are so glad that you are here. If you're visiting and you feel comfortable with it, please add your name and location in the chat so we can say hello. Judy has an announcement. Good morning and welcome everybody. Are you craving an opportunity to practice deep listening and sharing in a small group environment? Covenant groups begin in October. Signups will be online and meetings will be on Zoom with options for in-person meetings later. If you have never participated in a covenant group at First Unitarian, please plan to attend one of the Zoom information sessions today at 2 p.m. or Tuesday, September 7th at 7 p.m. You can register for these sessions on our website under Covenant Connect Covenant Groups. Thank you. This is it. This is our last Sunday of doing Zoom services at 11 a.m. Starting next week, the Zoom service will happen at 9 a.m. And we're adding an in-person service at 11 a.m. That service is at the church. I want to thank the 221 folks who responded to our survey about attending on, on in-person services. It really helps us with our planning, so I appreciate it. And Angela is going to share some of the comments from that survey in her sermon next week. In the meantime, there are more details about what to expect in the monthly messenger that just came out, and also in this week's e-broadsheet. So remember that next week, some of us will see each other on Zoom at 9 a.m., and some of us will see each other in person at 11 at the church. And either way, we will still be the caring congregation that we are. Judy's going to light the chalice now. We draw our thoughts together to accompany our chalice lighting. Words by Melanie Davis, A Spark of Hope. If there ever was a time for a candle in the darkness, this would be it. Using a spark of hope, kindle the flame of love, ignite the light of peace, and feed the flame of justice. Good morning. Try not to mute myself right after I unmute myself. Our opening song this morning is from Singing the Living Tradition. It is a beautiful poem by Anna Akhmatova, who was a Russian poet who stayed in St. Petersburg after the Nazis rolled into the city and wrote poetry for the Russian people who stayed at that time. This poem is set to an Gregorian chant tune 
Adoro Te Devote, so you may, re you may recognize the tune, and we're going to put the music and the words up on the screen so that you can sing along with me. Please join me now in singing All My Memories of Love. Would you like the chalice as we say our principles? Each person is important. Kind and fair in all you do. We're free to learn together. We search for what is true. All people need a voice. Build a fair and peaceful world. We take care of our planet. We work together for diversity and against racism and oppression. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Reverend Katie. Let's prepare our minds for meditation with the words of Reverend Leif Seligman. We pause in the stillness to rest for a moment, to quiet ourselves so that we can feel what stirs within us. We pause and we know in each breath that each in-breath draws us closer to the pulse of life and with each exhalation we make room for something new. 
May we find in this gathering the comfort of those who care. May we encounter patience along our growing edges and compassion in our most tender spots. Here may we find the inspiration and encouragement we need to face our challenges and nurture ourselves. May we travel humbly with one another, choosing reconciliation over resentment as we try to live right-sized. When life presses in and shifts us off balance, when pain assails us, when frustration mounts, may the rhythm of our breath steady us and bring us back to a place of gratitude. Let's sit together in sacred silence for two minutes. Our church is a welcoming community where we find connection, a spiritual community where we find meaning. Our church is a sharing community where our joys are amplified, a caring community where our sorrows are lessened. We take this moment to reflect on our joys and sorrows and acknowledge the mutual support of our community. Please type in the chat box, first your joys and then your sorrows. If you are unable to write in the chat box, please email the, to the church at caring at uuabq.org.
And may we remember those who have spoken, those they have named, and those we hold in silence in our hearts. we share our joys and concerns, we're really sharing our lives. We share joys like fall weather and massages and lots of family time. Joys like homegrown tomatoes, yes, and rain. And we share our concerns, so many to carry right now. 
We concerns for all those who are sick or waiting on COVID tests. Concerns for this pandemic and the sheer weight and length of it as it presses down on us. We share concerns for being those who are displaced by Hurricane Ida. Those are climate refugees, climate change refugees. And we lift up Afghanistan, the people in Afghanistan and the actions in Texas with deep, deep concern. All these joys and concerns and those joys and concerns held in our hearts, unspoken, but no less deeply felt. We lift them all up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal that are known by many names. Let's pray, each in our own way, but together. We mourn with Lee Nuri as she grieves the passing of her husband of 60 years, Ben Nuri. May she be buoyed by the care of this congregation. And may light perpetual shine upon Ben. In a time so beset by disaster and injustice, we pray for this world as we pray for ourselves. May the world be righted and may we stay grounded during the storm. We pray for this vibrant church as we continue to change and evolve, regardless of the forms that it takes. May our practices of deep, deep self-reflection and love and service continue. May we hold each other close as we move forward. Pray today with the words of Reverend Sandra Fees, adapted from her poem, Another Direction. The moment comes when a choice arises, a holy moment, a decision must be made. Do we remain as we are, or do we risk inching, leaping, flowing in another direction? Do we risk what we already know and already are? We long to let go of all that restrains us so that we might pursue the impossible and surmount the insurmountable to let go of anger, to let go of the need to be in control, to forgive a friend, to forgive ourselves, to refuse what thwarts our spirits, to refuse what limits our minds, to surrender to what will come, to surrender to this holy moment that we have let slip away for too long. May we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you.
as if every conversation that I have had since social distancing began as a result of the pandemic has used as a conversation starter the question, what are you reading or watching or listening to that is getting you through and feeding your soul at this moment? Indeed, after 18 months of my spouse and I spending much of our time at home, we have exhausted every possible recommendation that the Netflix algorithm can suggest for us. 
we have watched season three of Stranger Things, season two of Umbrella Academy, every competition reality show we could find, and took at least a good week to sit and process whatever the heck Tiger King was. We have also found ourselves now going back to and watching some of our old favorites that we come back to only once a year and admittedly only out of boredom. The question that people are asking goes beyond simply the what that people are reading or watching. The important part that people are trying to hear is what is getting you through and feeding your soul. We're all engaged in a collective struggle to adapt to a massive change in our way of life that none of us ever imagined. As simple as the request to stay home and wear a mask is, the reality of the global health crisis that we are involved in has many of us filled with a sense of uncertainty. Some of us, especially extroverts like myself, are wondering as this continues to go on, whether we are ever going to go back to some semblance of a normal life again. And even if we do, is it going to be safe? What people are looking for in our answer to the question is a sense of hope, something that will allow them to feel good for at least a brief moment of 13 episodes and let them know that things are going to be okay and that the reality of life does not have to be quite as scary as it seems. One of the sources of hope and inspiration that I keep coming back to at this time is a song entitled All Will Be Well, written and performed by singer-songwriter and minister at First UU Church in Austin, Reverend Meg Barnhouse, which we just listened to. The song is inspired by a time when Reverend Meg was reading the book Revelations of Divine Love by 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich, famous for its immortal and inspirational quote, all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things will be well. In the song, Reverend Meg has an imagined rhetorical conversation with Julian of Norwich, in which she questions the possibility of that statement, fervently asking Julian if she has not considered the reality of things like sorrow, shame, pain, hunger, loneliness, disease, and cruelty. Unexpectedly, she receives a response from Julian in which she names the feelings that Reverend Meg shares and alludes that she feels heavy from them as well. However, she also invites her to consider the beauty of what good that there is in the world. Things like tenderness, love, friends, and the spirit. The song ends with the continued repetition of Julian's famous mantra, all will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. The song is a go-to for me for the selfish reason that I am needing to hear those words right now. As much of an optimist as I consider myself, it is taking every ounce of my optimism to stay positive, especially with everything changing from week to week. And I would be lying if I said that I was not feeling depleted most days. 
it gives me the feeling that there are others who are bearing the weight of everything that is going on in the world, and there is no need to feel like I am bearing it alone or that I must bear it alone. It also serves as the reminder that I sometimes need to give myself, the one that I am usually concerned with giving to other people, that there is always a sense of hope in the world, depending upon where your perspective lies. Aside from it being one of my favorite songs and for the emotions that it brings up, it is eerily fitting when you consider the incredible story of the person of Julian of Norwich that the song has as its inspiration. Julian of Norwich herself is a rather enigmatic figure. Not very much is known about her early life, including what her actual name was. Even the exact date of her birth and death are unknown. Most scholars agree that she was born in late 1342 and died sometime after 1416. She lived her entire life in the city of Norwich in Eastern England, which was the second most important merchant city in England after London at the time. It was also, as a result of being a major center for trade and commerce, a city that was ravaged by the bubonic plague, the infamous Black Death that swept across Europe in the mid 14th century and is estimated to have killed anywhere from 75 to 200 million people. Some scholars believe based on her writings, that Julian had some experience with being a mother. And although she ultimately survived the plague, it is suspected that her family and her children may have been casualties of it. Not much else is known of Julian's life until about the 1370s, when Julian would have been in her early 30s. And she presented herself to St. Julian's church with the intention of becoming an anchoress. Anchoress is a person who withdraws from secular society to lead a life of prayer. Unlike hermits, they were required to take a vow of stability to remain in place, usually choosing to be enclosed in a cell that was attached to the church. And when a woman chose the life of an anchoress, she would often undergo a religious ceremony similar to a funeral rite, where she would be considered dead to the world. For the rest of their lives, they would usually lead a life of confined isolation, poverty, and chastity. As bleak and austere as the life sounds, Julian would have continued to live a life that had a relative amount of freedom. She had financial support from members of the church, she would have been allowed to make clothes to give to the poor, and she would have supplied prayer, advice, and counsel to visitors. Julian was somewhat of a celebrity in her day, receiving visitors from prominent religious writers of the time. Yet her revelations of divine love, considered to be the earliest surviving example of a book in the English language known to have been written by a woman, and the only surviving work of an English anchoress, is her greatest legacy. It was written in 1373, and chronicles a time in Julian's life when she was seriously ill and was laying on what she believed to be her deathbed. 
Over the course of several hours in one night, she claims to have received 16 mystical visions, or showings as she called them, related to the Passion of the Christ that culminated in a final revelation that occurred the following evening. After making a full recovery from her affliction, she wrote an account of each of her versions in a manuscript called the Short Text. After taking her vows and becoming an anchoress, she continued to develop her ideas over several decades and produced a more extended version of her visions called the Long Text, which was first published in 1670. Originally written in Middle English, because Julian specifically wanted her text to be accessible to the common person, it was translated into Modern English by Scottish translator Grace Warwick in 1901, and has become the version of Revelations of Divine Love that we read today. The parallels between Julian's life and the reality of the coronavirus outbreak we are going through today are staggering. Julian had voluntarily chosen a life of self-isolation and was witness outside her window to one of the most crippling health crises that her world had yet seen. She would also have been witness to changing political and social realities that were taking place in Norwich at the time. In 1481, the Peasants' Revolt was a major uprising that raged across large parts of England, a result of economic disparities caused by the Black Death and the high taxes that were a result of the ongoing Hundred Years' War. It erupted into violent confrontations in many parts of the country, especially Norwich. He would also have been witness to the continued religious strife that had been plaguing England between Catholics and Lollards, a pre-Protestant Christian movement that was protesting the wealth of church leaders. The Lollards and their sympathizers were routinely rounded up by the local authorities and were publicly burned at the stake in the town square as an example to others. As St. Julian's Church sits on Main Street in Norwich, it is likely that if Julian did not personally witness the executions from the window of her cell, she would certainly have been able to hear the screams that came from the street below. Amid the world that Julian knew was in chaos, Julian would have been alone in her cell with little to divert her attention from contemplating what was going on in the world outside of the church. This was a long time before any kind of television or social media would have existed. Julian would have agonized about what was going on in the world and does not shy away from discussing the topic of suffering, made even more profound by the fact that she was undoubtedly confronting the real possibility of her own mortality at the time. Revelation 13, which contains the famous quote, is Julian's desperate plea to the divine to provide her some sort of answer to everything that was going on, not unlike the similar conversation that takes place in Reverend Meg's song between her and Julian. The original quote in Revelations of Divine Love is all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. The use of shall instead of will seems insignificant, as both words are used interchangeably today. 
the modern English translation would have favored the word will because it was more familiar to readers. The word shall had a completely different context in the Middle English of Julian's day. In the 14th century Middle English that Julian was writing in, shall meant must. All must be well, and all must be well, and all manner of things must be well. In other words, the answer that Julian was receiving from the divine was a reassurance and a definitive guarantee that everything was going to be well, because the divine had already decided that it was going to be well. And this, for me, is the perfect message of hope for this time of global pandemic. Amid the most insurmountable of odds, there will always be a hope that will overcome everything and help see us through to better and more promising times. This is exactly what Julian is trying to get Reverend Meg to see in the song. That hope may end up manifesting itself in various forms, be they spirit, tenderness, love, or the company of friends, as Julian suggests. But they will always be present and bigger than all of the darkness that is present in the world. It also tells us that hope is transcendent. It will continue to be passed down and continue through time to conquer whatever may be present. The message that we are left with is that we must find the moments of hope amid crisis and chaos, however hidden and hard to find they may be, and kindle and keep them close to us. They are some of the only things that we have that are giving us reason to get up and keep going to see another day through. Just as much as we need that spark of hope for ourselves and our lives, we need to make sure that we are finding ways to pass that hope along to others who are seeking it out and have yet to find it. Just as the divine was able to do for Julian, just as Julian was able to do for the Reverend Meg Barnhouse, and just as Reverend Meg Barnhouse has tried to do for us, may it be something that we do for others. You never know. It just may be someone's answer to the question of what is getting you through and feeding your soul at this moment. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. Namaste. Thank you all so much. Our offering this morning is by the Reverend Kyla Parker, a greater good for ourselves and our world. We know that our financial contributions to this congregation come from sacrifice and hard work. We are grateful, so grateful for this, and committed together to ensure the funds we gather collectively do a greater good for ourselves and our world than they have done, could have done alone. May there be an offering to sustain and grow the life and mission of this congregation. May we give in love and in hope. The change for the future recipient for September, October, and November is read to me. 
Funds donated will increase book donations to children in need, including bilingual offerings. Read to Me was cut short by COVID this past year, but they have donated books through the grab and go lunch program of the schools, sending Navajo language books to the reservations and putting books in the little free libraries in the International District of Albuquerque. You can make an offering online by clicking on a link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Now, let us exercise together an enduring power of generosity.
What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of Read to Me. So we're coming to the end of our service, and if you want to stay and talk to your fellow congregants, just stay all the way through the credits and we'll place you in a breakout room. And whether you're staying or not, here's a discussion question to mull as you consider Matt's excellent sermon. What are the surprising places where you find hope and inspiration in your daily life? What are the surprising places? Matt's going to do the benediction. May the spark of hope that we have kindled in our time together be something that we carry into our daily lives the rest of the week. And may we also carry it into the world to inspire and bring hope to others whose paths we may cross. Maybe so. Amen and blessed be.